been watching uh, Black Mirror, that will that will remind you of one of the episodes. The uh... oh yes. <sighs> um, welcome to North v South, the podcast that is and isn't about design. I'm Jonathan Elliman, and uh, the other half of the shelf <laughs> that is uh, Rob Turpin. My brain is melting. Good afternoon, Rob. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, Hampshire. Yes. Well, it's uh, yeah. We're a bit different today, aren't we? Um, mm. We are coming. We are recording this on a Friday afternoon. Um, Why is that, John? <clears throat> because um, I was out last night. Dear God. Yeah. Out in the town. I was. I was in. I was in the hood. Did you have dancing shoes on? Not really. No. Uh, I went to the pub and had a curry with some old friends, which was very nice. I, I hadn't seen them for. Uh, well, couple of years one of them and a year with the other don't get out much down here i'm sure <laughs> oh yeah it's very nice thank you cool uh, but a bit weary today you do sound it <laughs> as ever. yeah and how 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 are you i'm all right how's your I'm, tooth I'm, tooth is a, a little sore was that expected that it was sore no that you were going <laughs> to have a yes i knew i had to have another one out um, it was just, it was the, the root of a broken tooth next to, oh, uh, next to a, a wisdom tooth. Um, so yeah, I knew I had to come out. They would have taken it out last time, but I was in such poor shape last time. I was a trembling fool after the wisdom tooth extraction. Oh, thanks. Um, I've got, I've got one on Tuesday. <laughs> oh, just to put your mind at rest, I had nine injections this time to get this out and it still hurt. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. It's a pleasure. Anything I can do to put your mind at rest. Is this at a hospital or at a dentist? At a hospital. Oh, God. It'll be fine. It's it's, it's medieval. It's 20 minutes said. of your life, John. Yeah. You'll be, yeah. She said, uh, yeah, well, hopefully I won't have to drill the tooth out. Oh, I've had that. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, to be honest, that's not the worst bit. That's not the worst bit. Anyway. Less of that. So yes, uh, tooth out, a bit sore, um, thumb healing-ish after last week's uh, Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I need to gripe, John. Really? Uh, at me about something? No, not at oh, right. Uh, so I had a package to pick up from UPS, which was my f- iPhone back from Apple. So I went to pick it up at the address it gave me. I'm thinking, this is... Strange. It's not where I normally pick up packages from. But oh, look, there's a there's a little post office. So I go into the little post office. So can I pick this up? And they say, no, no, it's next door. I'm like, okay. Right, it's a row of shops. So next door, it's a pet shop. So I go back in the post office and say, is is the pet shop? And he said, yeah, they're a UPS collection place. I think that's strange. The pet shop obviously is shut. So I go home. It says it's going to be open at 12. I go home. There's another slip through the door telling me I've got a customs charge on a package waiting for me at the post office. So I think, right, post office shuts at 12. Pet shop opens at 12. I'll go up just before 12, pay my customs charge, get my other package, which is exactly what I do. Pay my customs charge on my phone case from America, which is an £8 customs, uh, a £3 custom charge and an £8 handling fee from the Royal Mail which makes my 20 quid uh, phone case cost 
30 odd quid and another tenner for postage. And I go to the pet shop. There's a post-it note over the sign on the door changing 12 to 1 o'clock. <laughs> so I have to go home and wait and then go back to pick up my thing. So anyway, I've got the – so that annoyed me. That really annoyed me. And now I've got this uh, phone case. So I bought a slim phone case from a company called Peel in America. And I picked it because it was recommended on a bunch of blogs. And do you remember selection boxes, John, that you used to get at Christmas? Right. Yeah. You know the really thin plastic yeah. tray that yeah. the chocolates used to be in? That's pretty much what this uh, ultra-slim phone case is made of. Right. That's it. It won't protect it at all if I drop it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's the most ridiculous thing. I mean, it'll stop the back getting scratched. Right. But if I drop it, it'll still smash. Mm. And because, you know, the, the iPhone screen has got that kind of slightly rounded bevel, well, the case doesn't come up to the bevel. So there's nothing to protect the front at all. So that was my my gripe, really. UPS collection from a shut pet shop and a super expensive iPhone case that's about as much use as a chocolate fire guard. Wow. You got, you're that put, a, me in a really, put me in a really bad mood. That's a mega gripe. Yeah. <laughs> UPS, uh, their, their collection points are ridiculous. Uh, we've got one here and it's, uh, it's never open. Is it from a bird feeder or something? It's from some distribution company that you know they sell. I don't know widgets or something. You know, mm. you you have to go onto an industrial estate and there's a little so sticker. strange, isn't it? Yeah, and he's and, and I knocked on the door and there was no answer. And um, he took about five minutes to answer the door. And I said, "Well, why haven't you got a doorbell?" He just went, "Well, we we're saving money. <laughs> like, there's no good if you're a collection point, is it? Yeah. I, can, I wonder how much they get paid. Yeah, for the parcel. For I know. This I'll thing. do it." <clears throat> yeah just don't close no. um, anyway so that was my my day uh the rest of my week i've been drawing judge dread have you which is really uh exciting i haven't drawn judge dread for 30 years um but it's also incredibly difficult has he aged yeah he's uh the bearded uh the stick uh everything but uh i'm drawing him a slight he's kind of uh standing sort of front on but with his shoulders kind of slightly askew so i've drawn him all beautifully i'm really pleased with how it looks except i can't draw the bloody eagle on his shoulder right it's quite a chunky old thing isn't it it is i just can't can't get it right i even took to making an eagle out of plasticine really yeah to try and um to try and solve my conundrum yeah it didn't I've still got a conundrum, so I need to go back to that later. Can, we, can we see this anywhere? You can see the eagle I made. is on Twitter. Uh. Uh, it's quite nice, actually. I got a couple of uh, 2000 AD artists replied to me, giving me a bit of advice, although one of them just advised me to, to draw something else in front of the eagle so I didn't have to draw it. <laughs> you see, they're full of good tips like that, aren't they? They are. Apparently yeah. Mike Mignolin hardly ever draws feet. Right. Yeah, because he hates dry feet. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so that's been occupying my artistic side this week. Uh, finished off another commission and sent that to uh, New Orleans, I think that one went to. Uh, oh. And I've been exercising this week. I'm still on my 
a kind of fitness fitness kick. Oh yeah, my alternate day fasting and exercising. So I'm uh, eleven pounds in eleven days. I've lost. Wow. Yeah. So it's going well so far. I just so need to keep that up. Fasting for in a day? Well, you don't eat anything. No, you're allowed up to six hundred calories. Right. That can't but be good. And then the other day, you eat whatever you want. Yeah. Um, apparently, it's it's actually pretty good. Right. Um, it's it's not one of these kind of fad diets that that's you know crazy for you to to do lots of people do it as a lifestyle rather than just as a diet um but it's working for me what's that called just alternate day fasting uh others <laughs> catchy uh, yeah so some people do the five two diet which is five days eating normally and two days of fasting yeah i'm i'm just doing alternate days okay so today is an eating day so i get pie ah the, the highlight of my week was uh, I managed to get the robin in my garden to uh, uh, feed from my hand. Wow! How did you do that? Well, he's, I mean, he's quite the robins can be quite tame, and we throw little bits of food out for him. Um, he's quite keen on muesli, um, and um, I just basically crouched down on the decking, with my hand out <laughs> for about. 25 minutes and he he kind of circled me and gradually came closer and closer and closer and then you know hopped up on my hand and took a bit of food brilliant yeah so next week i'm planning on doing um the podcast with him <laughs> i thought you're going to say you're going to take a hunk of meat out and attract a kite <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah have, um, you, have you got kites in in uh, yeah. no right. not not far away um we've got buzzards over the bushy park which is quite nice but no kites this 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 way yet they are spectacular aren't they yeah um so what about your week Mm. uh yeah it's um are we at the end of it yet it's friday (laughs) it's been really um yeah it's been a difficult week i uh yeah just work boring work and um uh, but my wife is back now. Now, when she was away, I snuck out and I bought a, uh, a bit, bit of tech for myself, feeling sorry for myself, having right. uh, had had my daughter to uh, look after for a week, and uh, you know, pushed me to the edge of uh, the, the edge of reason. Um, but uh, so I bought a sound bar, sound mm. thing, a thing that goes onto your telly. So I've been watching a few films, trying out the surround sound thing. On it, so, so I thought. Okay, I, so it's a sound bar that goes into your telly. Are there then additional speakers anywhere? No, I didn't want that? that. Yeah, it's okay. a kind of faux surround yeah. sound, um, and uh, it's quite good. It's quite good. It's quite effective, but it's better. It's good for music. This one, it's a Yamaha mm. jobby. Um, okay, so I can stream music um, through the telly. Cool. Uh, but um, I watched Arrival, which is something that you've spoken about in the past, a sci-fi film. Mm. Um, and thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, it was kind of like... Um, Great, isn't it? Very clever. Yeah. It was quite slow, but I like that. Enjoyed it. Um, mm. And uh, it was good to see the film from, you know, before Blade Runner um, and see, see where he was coming from. Exactly. Have you seen Sicario? No. Or Sicario? Sicario. Sicario. I mean, that's completely different, but uh, equally brilliant. Okay. Very um, intense. And I watched Mad Max Fury Road because I hadn't seen that yet. And uh, what did you think? I, it was really strange. A really, 
really strange insane, film, isn't it? It's like it doesn't stop. Um, yeah. It starts without any, you know, just literally you're in it straight away, and then it just mm. doesn't let up. Um, and I can see why they won so many technical awards in terms yeah. of the stunt work and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought it was good, convincing sort of future world, um, really cartoon-like, and mm. uh, everyone was ramped up, you know, to the to the nth degree in terms of character. And yeah, uh, weirdly, yeah. I I rewatched it this morning. Oh right, um, without knowing you just watched it. Yeah, I thought it was even better the second time around. Mm. It's um, it's remarkable. I was I was doing stuff. Um, while I was watching it for Steph was helping out uh, getting ready for tomorrow's wedding so I was actually had a hairdryer on getting wax off candlesticks for most of the film um, and it doesn't um, affect it at all the fact that you can't hear it <laughs> well I think that's uh, I, was, I was chatting with some uh, about um, Tom Hardy last night that I don't know mm. if he's mm. it's a bit he's not I don't know if he's a good actor <laughs> it's, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah, because he's he's he is the king of of mumblecore, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's got uh, a good scowl. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced, but he's a good action hero in this. Mm. Um, Failing that, actually, actually, uh, in uh, Tinker Taylor, he's very good. Okay, I haven't seen that yet, <clears throat> but he's only a, a small part in it, so. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. It's a very different approach to filmmaking. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of comic book like yeah. in a way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, even though it's kind of super violent, none of the violence is really graphic. No. Nah. You know, there aren't kind of there's no blood and guts in it really. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good, and with the sound, it it really ramps it up. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so other than that, oh, I watched a bit of um, Lord of the Rings. I bought the extended yeah. version because I've only got the, the standard ones. In yeah, no, I've been watching those in as non-HD. well. non-HD. I'm not sure it does anything to the story. Um, well, I can't really remember the difference. Mm, it's just extra scenes, isn't there? Yeah. I guess. It doesn't really do much. Um, and I've been listening to the Radio 4 play when I've been driving. You've, you're really going for it, aren't you? I'm immersing myself in uh, in Hobbit. Yeah. Um, and what else? Uh, Dark. People have been talking about Dark on Twitter. Yes, they have. Uh, I started watching that, watched two episodes. It just seems to me to be Stranger Things in German. That's pretty much how I've heard it described. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's got an 80s... Is it set in the 80s or is it just yeah. got an 80s feel to it? Uh, I can't really talk about it. Okay, fine. <laughs> but yes, the German Stranger Things. Yes, not bad. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anything else to report? Uh, no. By the way, did Jess uh, notice the uh, addition to the TV set? Or have uh, you managed to keep it secret from her? What the f*** is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not often you have to um, beep things out. Yeah, and I'm going to have to beep, that, beep that one out, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and how is Kitty liking the fish? Oh yeah, she's up. Um, I've oh I, yeah, I bought a really cool bit of technology actually. My first connected bit fish. of electric electronics. Um, okay. It was just no. I was looking for a timer on um, Amazon. Right. You know, like the old-fashioned timers. You used to put a plug. Yeah. You used to put a funny little pin in, didn't you? And it used to click lights on and off. Um, well, obviously they're electronic now. 
mm. and this one is connected. So you plug it in. Uh, it, was a, it was 14 quid. Plug it in and you get an app on your iPhone and you can then program it to do to turn on, turn off. You could set timers on it. You can um, uh, connect it to, uh, you know, if this, then that. Um, you can use in case you want to give your fish a disco. Oh, I can just no. I can just automatically, you know. So in the morning, the light comes on slowly at eight o'clock and goes off oh. at eight o'clock. So they get a regular, regular cool. amount of light for the plants as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Really cool bit of tech. Uh, nice. Um, yeah. And uh, and and you can also use Alexa, so I can now tell the telly turn the light on, turn the light off. It's good in that. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a, a, a uh, someone tweeted this week talking of connected things that they had. I don't know how it works. I haven't got any connected music stuff. But I assume with Sonos or those kind of things, you have an app on your phone that you can yeah. play stuff. So this guy said that every time he's coming home from work and gets to the end of his street, he uses the the app on his phone to play his theme music. <laughs> <laughs> so his wife knows he's, uh, yeah. he's arriving. Yeah, and mate- I just thought that was the the best idea he didn't say what his music was <laughs> i just thought that would be fantastic uh, my mate Stuart does it that i was yeah. uh, uh, he lives in gould road up in twickenham he, he yeah. does it and he plays daddy's home with to his kids <laughs> through the sonos <laughs> i mean the only thing i could think is that it'd be great to play the imperial death march <laughs> star wars yeah or the yeah. omen the omen in the middle of the night would be nice <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah marvelous Ah, so uh, should we should we go on to news? Oh yeah, no. So we got fish. I didn't. Oh, of course you yeah, did. yeah, yeah, hang on. I, so yeah, Sorry. we got f- five little fish, um, and they are purple emperor tetras. My okay. my daughter's favourite colour is purple, so we had to get some purple fish. Uh, they're not really purple, but um, that's what they're known as, and uh, they're very nice. Settle in really nicely, and they come to the front when you go there now. Um, yeah. They're coming to the surface when we're feeding them. They're really cool. I like them. Would you be getting more? Yes, we've got to wait three weeks, and then we've got to have our water water tested <laughs> before See? we can buy more fish. They're really strict with fish. Who, when did this happen? I don't know. Because you used to be able to bung them in, any, you know, any old way. Yeah. Now they want to know. The they they want to know my nitrites and my nitrates and my uh, my ammonia levels. Good lord! I know. Ben, the illustrator, who's an illustrator called Ben. <laughs> <laughs> On, uh, on Twitter. Is that, uh, the, is that the news? <laughs> yeah. Uh, weirdly, I don't actually know his surname. He's no. just known as Ben the Illustrator. But he produces beautiful kind of vectorized sort of geometric stuff. Oh, yeah. Really, really beautiful. Um, and the other day on Twitter, he he said, would anybody interested if I did a, an Illustrator's survey? Lots of people said yes. So he produced one. So uh, click the link, fill in the survey, and he's just produced the results. I think 1,260 people uh, took part in his survey. Um, Did you? I did, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I just, it's really worth, it's worth looking at. So if you go to bentheillustrator.com forward slash illustrator hyphen survey. Yeah. I'll have a look at his Twitter. He, he's, Produced like a beautiful breakdown of uh, of all the details. Um, just looks great, and there's some really interesting little facts in there. Go on then. So I thought I'd 
give you a few uh, pull-out facts. 81% of illustrators work from home, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't that surprising, but it's, I guess that if you did that with graphic designers, it would probably be 81% of, illust- of graphic designers work from an office or a studio. Um, I think even even quite a lot of freelance designers tend to work in shared spaces or uh, communal places. Uh, but illustrators pretty much working from home, which ties in with the next one, which is for 55% of illustrators, illustration isn't their main job. So they've either got uh, another creative career that pays the rent uh, or they're a student or they've got another job completely different to illustration. Um, but yeah, illustration isn't the main thing for most illustrators. Um, 33% of illustrators say that self-promotion brought in more work than any other avenue. So more than being part of a cooperative, more than an, having an agent, more than being part of the Association of Illustrators, more than advertising. Uh, self-promotion is, is the best way for them to get the work, or at least it's the way that most of their work comes in. Uh, and 53% of illustrators found Instagram to be the most useful social media channel. Now you've put that, that you've put that figure in, but you should go down. What you know, the next one down is a long way down, isn't it? I've just seen the stats. So Twitter's at thirty percent, and then after that, Facebook at seven. So that's yeah. over, overwhelmingly Instagram mm. as a business uh, yeah. proposition. Uh, and on a, a slight side point, Instagram have got a new algorithm going on, right? Um, which might. Um, have quite an impact on creators, I think. Good or bad? Um, bad, I think, predominantly. I'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. Let's make that my second bit of news. Um, we've talked about um, invoicing and getting paid as designers. 37% of illustrators had at least half of their invoices paid late. Mm. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder how that figure compares to graphic design. I don't know. I- I don't I know. If, I, you know. I wonder if because illustrators are seen to be, I guess a lot of people will see them as sort of hobbyists or like, you know, the stats say that it's not their main job. I wonder how many people take advantage of that and, you know, put them to the bottom of the pile. Well, yeah, but let's, you know, on, on the other on the other foot, there's the, the case that um, they're probably not running their business in an efficient enough way to collect True. that money. Uh, yeah. You know, I would want money up front and... I don't have any unpaid bills really anymore. Yeah. Um, I think that's just experience, isn't it? That's just and like you say, menacing. No, that's just if you, if you, if you, uh, yeah, if you, if you think constantly think that you're not a hundred percent professional illustrator, then you're never going to take it seriously. Um, and yeah. I think that, it, that those stats in there really show that there's um, a lack of confidence in, mm. in that industry, even though, even down to the fact that most people aren't saying that there are, you know, a full-time illustrator. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, if you draw, draw, if you, if you're drawing, you know, if you're making drawings and selling them, you're an illustrator, you know, even if you just sell one in a year, just call yourself an illustrator, get on with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's great. It's great to see. And, and, that, and that's probably explains why the home thing, I was thinking, why, do, why, why are illustrators allowed to work from home when designers aren't? Um, yeah. Is that because it's a collaborative thing or is that a control thing? Are they seen that they're just, you know, an illustrator is like bot, uh, bot, further down the rung? I don't know. I guess I guess if you're an illustrator, you're working 
often on one small element of a, a, a bigger project, aren't you? Yeah. Whereas a, a designer, you're kind of integral to the whole, so you need to be kind of where it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, two more stats. Yeah. 69% of illustrators don't feel they earn enough to live sustainably. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. 79% of illustrators face anxiety or confidence issues that affect their work and career. Right. So there's a few of those stats that kind of stack up, really, aren't they? You know, working from home and uh, facing anxiety and confidence issues, I think those two things kind of go together because I think if you're in a workplace with other people where you can talk and share experiences and share concerns, um, talk about the work, um talk about ideas and get feedback um i think it it's there's less anxiety about uh, producing the work you know there is that big thing as an illustrator where you kind of produce it send i know this applies to graphic design as well but you produce the work send it off and you know you've got to wait and see what they say yeah uh I think I think that his his little sound, he has little sound bites after the stats with his mm. sort of comment on it. It's great. It's really positive for um for people reading this. Uh, I think yeah, that's not a good stat, is it? Sixty nine percent don't earn enough to live sustainably. Mm. Um, but then it goes on. The next one is work life balance. Do you see yourself as an artist or a business? I, I don't know if they're 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 um two sides of a, of a coin. If you know what I mean, it should be. Yeah. You should be an artist and a business, no? If you're an illustrator, you should be 100% a business. Yeah. Um, so only 56. So, you know, just over half think that they are a business. So, you know, that 69% could be turned into yes if they, mm. those people or there were more uh, senior illustrators encouraging people to run run a business. Um, I'm guessing because it, it, sits in a, uh, it sits in a bubble in somewhat that, uh, they might not illustrators might not get the um, uh, they might not read things that designers read um, yeah. that you know help them there's you know there's a million designer blogs that help you with uh, freelancing and setting yeah. up um, and may, maybe illustrators aren't haven't been uh, privileged to not privileged they haven't they haven't seen that kind of stuff there's nobody yeah. no illustrators are writing about that so maybe that's something that um, you know somebody out there could uh, I think you're right. Help with. There's a gap in the market there. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, and and uh, anxiety, 79%. Whew. I know. Well, that's a creative business, isn't it? And yeah. um, I guess you're always going to doubt what you've done. You know, you, you say that, um, you know, even Mike Mignola <laughs> doesn't like drawing feet. He hides them mm. away. That's a, that's an anxiety in itself, isn't it? A, yeah. a, little, a little showing of it. But um, if we're talking about mental illness or, you know, or a serious anxiety problem, it doesn't really go further than that, but um, then that that is very concerning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll have to look at that a bit uh, a bit more closely, I think. Yeah, but w- well done, Ben the Illustrator, whatever your surname yeah, it's is. A, it's, a, it's a brilliant bit of work by Ben, and yeah. he's well worth following. His work's cracking. Is it, yeah. Um, so very quickly, this uh, Instagram new algorithm, uh, they're giving more weight to businesses, apparently, uh, in so it used to be before they got rid of the chronological timeline it used to be that if you followed someone you'd see all their posts if you scrolled down far enough you know they post something it's at the top of your feed you can see it there you go but it, 
now they're owned by Facebook. They've changed the chronological feed. They try and show you things that you're likely to be most interested in. But also, like Facebook, they won't now show everybody the feed, the, the posts of everyone that they follow. Oh, that's they'll stupid. Only, they'll only show you a selection. Uh, and then, so so if I post something now, it might only get shown to 10% of That's my, ridiculous. Of my, yeah, of my followers. If it then garners enough likes and comments quickly, it'll get shown to more of my followers. Um, so that's one of the things they're doing. A, a few of the things they're doing um, apparently are to stop. You, they, uh, there's this thing called pods where you get groups of people who kind of make a, a verbal commitment to, to like and comment on all their work. So these pods can be anything from you know, three or four people are liking and commenting on each other's things and kind of tagging each other in stuff to, to you know, big groups of dozens of people. Apparently now uh, that sort of behaviour is going to get you, they're calling it shadow blocked, which just basically means your future posts will get shown to fewer and fewer people. Um, excessive hashtagging uh, is going to do the same thing. Um, reposting the same image more than once, which I can never really understand why people do that, but people do. Again, he's going to get you shadow blocked. So, so there's there's quite a few things that I kind of need to look at. One of the things I did upon reading this article was immediately change to a business account on Instagram because apparently uh, business users or people with business accounts are going to get slight priority over who sees their posts so i'll let you know how that all goes in the next few weeks so that could that could that could mean if you had a hundred thousand followers you're actually then suddenly cutting it by you know down to say ten thousand people are going to see that post because that's how facebook likes to dole it out and because they want to encourage people to pay to promote yeah but the, the, but that will lose Instagram. Will, that will lose its initial appeal, which is just yeah. a linear kind of visual blog, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Oh well, time to get onto Tumblr then. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a shame. What uh, what news have you got for us, Jonathan? Uh, one one I saw today um, that's been uh, that made me smile is a an advert for a graphic designer that was posted by um, the city of Los Angeles on social media of some sort. Um, yeah. And it was an article in The Guardian, uh, and uh, it's had some really funny responses from... I saw the headline. I haven't looked at the article yet. From, so, uh, uh, basically, it's like a, a childlike drawing, a Mondrian-style squares, and then like it's been drawn in paint, um, and it just says it's now hiring graphics designer. Yeah. And that's it. And then people have been posting their own very basic graphic designs back. <laughs> Not sure that's going to work, is it? No. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a cool cool way to try and uh, get some uh, some, uh, I guess, traction or interest around it. Nicely done. Made me smile. Yeah. They're sort of, they're often so pretentious, aren't they? And like job adverts for designers, they they really people really love. You know, they want people who the most experienced. Uh, the waffle that comes with it is unbelievable, mm. isn't it? Most with most jobs, uh, you know, they need to be a UX, UI, graphic, ninja. 3D. <laughs> yeah, usually they say ninja, don't they? Are you a rock star designer? Oh god. Well, no. <laughs> Do you like sitting in a in a in a slightly smelly office with headphones on, 
<laughs> yeah. With just the, the noise of clicking going on all day, because that's generally what you'll get. <laughs> Absolutely. Rockstar designer. Uh, yeah, I hate that. Uh, I saw an article. I think we're uh, pulling all our news from The Guardian this week, which is uh, apt. Um, an article about an app that's been used in Norway to help school kids or students, might be college, uh, to avoid becoming addicted to Facebook or to help beat their addiction to their smartphones. So uh, the app is called Hold, and it's being used by 40% of students 40% of students in Norway already. So basically, it's, a, it's like a timer app that goes on your phone. And every time you pick up your phone or press the button to open your phone, the timer resets to zero. If that timer gets to 20 minutes or more, so you've managed to go 20 minutes without checking your phone, you start to accrue points that can then be swapped for rewards, like uh, Amazon vouchers, for instance. Um, uh, and I thought it was quite a good idea. Well, who, who's giving these rewards? It's the, you know, the app signs up um, retailers, basically, and they, <laughs> they, you know, they give uh, give vouchers in term in uh, exchange for the points. So I assume there's, uh, I don't know if it's sponsored. Um, it doesn't actually say where its funding comes from, whether it's sponsored or whether you have to, you wouldn't think you'd have to buy the app, would you? Mm-hmm. Um, What's that called? It's called Hold. Oh. Um, it's quite interesting. I mean, I'm as guilty as anyone of spending too much time on their phone, and I find it very hard to avoid just picking it up in idle moments and kind of checking, you know, quickly checking on Twitter or mail or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's quite interesting. Have you tried just oh, taking a hammer to it? I haven't. I haven't done that, John. It really works. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I might take a hammer to my wife's one. <laughs> really? Oh, she scrolling. To her phone. Scrolling, yeah. Uh-huh. The endless scrolling. Um, What's your next bit of news? Well, my iPad just ran out of batteries, so the screen went blank. Um, uh, the Nintendo Labo. Unfor- oh. Unfortunate name, but a fantastic little product. Augmented really reality good. made into cardboard shapes. You yeah. pop out your cardboard shapes, pop your Nintendo Switch in into it, and um, you can play a little game, play piano, go fishing. Cool little app. I wish I was a kid now. It is very, very clever, isn't it? Yeah. And apparently it works. There's kind of magnetic strips on certain bits of the, the pop-up cardboard construction kits that the Switch controllers recognise. Oh, really? I think that's how it works. Like wow. the piano and stuff. Wow. Um, but yeah, so there's a, what is there? There's a piano, there's a fishing rod. Um can't remember what the other things were. But yeah, yeah so there's really a car, cool. it will actually move along, won't it? Yeah. It looks great, really beautifully presented. The little video that goes with it's cool. Um I was really uh, impressed with the switch. I uh Alid had a one and um of course he did. had a little play on it. Uh I was playing Mario Odyssey, is it? Yeah. Um the uh it's just a beautifully designed thing. It's it doesn't look it in you know, but when you actually hold it, it's really well mm. made, really solid. And uh, and yeah, really a really cool device. I thought. Yeah, yeah, they've done good good stuff there. Yeah. Nintendo. 
Uh, my next, uh, uh, going from the digital uh, combining with the analog to the resolutely analog, uh, friend of the show, Daniel Benoth Gray, uh, posted a link to an article in the New York Times, and it's one of those beautiful kind of photo montage articles that the Times does, and it's about one of um, America's last pencil factories. Uh, it's quite a short article in terms of words, but the pictures are just fantastic. Um, really beautifully photographed stages of manufacturing pencil from kind of producing and preparing the graphite cores to producing the kind of coloured cores and adding the ferrules and the, the erasers. Uh, beautiful photographs of the machinery. It's pencil porn, basically. Yeah. Uh, and it's fab. Cool. Really, really nice. So go to the New York Times uh, online and have a look for that inside one of America's last pencil factories. Gorgeous. Um, what, and your next thing on, the, on oh, your list. That is amazing. Yeah. So uh, the, it's the Omashiro block, right. uh, which uh, in Japanese kind of means fun block. So it's a memo pad, like a, you know, you get the kind of blocks yeah. of notes, like yep. post-it notes or whatever. It's like that, but it's been laser cut. Every sheet has been laser cut. And as you peel them off, you slowly excavate an object. And they're um, architectural models predominantly, I think. I don't know if they all are. Um, but they are so intricately cut, they're astonishing. So you get kind of two-thirds of the way down the pad, and then all of a sudden you've got like a Japanese temple. And they're, they're just with, with foliage and gardens and windows in it. I mean, it's absolutely astonishing. What does it do? Uh, I don't know. They cost between 30 and 80 quid, I think, oh. my, my yen uh, translate, yeah. uh, trans, uh, thing at the end to pound thing is correct. Conversion um, rate. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's the word I was searching. Uh, well, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you can pay like forty quid for an apple in Japan, can't you? So, yes, yeah. it's not such a bad thing. But yeah, yeah. and amazing. they also make. If you look at that link, they also make really the notes that you pull off to kind of use are also perforated. But you get these beautiful sort of shaped little notes. Fabulous. Really fab. Yeah, yeah. Please, please. Yeah, I'd like one of those. Yeah. Should we should we both have a a, a bitch about a, a, a recent trend? What's Which that? Your wife, if your wife's been scrolling through Instagram, she'll have come across it. What is it? Uh, backwards books. Oh god! What is wrong with people? Backward books on shelves trend for minimalists. Uh, <laughs> so if you've got a, a house that's you know entirely painted in elephant's breath, yeah, um, with your pharaoh and ball. Uh, perversions are uh, obviously the the spines of all your books uh, throw out your colour scheme so the solution is to turn them all backwards of course it is so you just see the the pages or just throw the books away and don't have anything That's just burn the whole house down uh, yeah who does uh, that who does uh, that nobody does that do they I don't know if you can bleep it out I mean quits. <laughs> uh, um just yeah yeah, I'm people who don't read, so um, yeah. So is there it, you go. Is that just a is that just a sort of lifestyle Instagram hipster thing? It may well be. It's made an awful lot of people on social media very angry. Oh, has it? Oh, well, gosh. Yeah. 
Yes. It's, that, that's, that's, that's quite hard to do, isn't it, I heard? It is, yeah, a very reasonable bunch. Uh, uh, something that has had a mainly positive reaction to. Mm. The Guardian has had a redesign. I, I can't think of many other newspapers that would make such a splash with having a redesign. Is that because they're associated with the, the design industry? or um, I don't... I don't know. I guess uh, I guess the Guardian and the Independent have been newspapers in the past that have been known for being nicely designed and um, particularly uh, good use of photography and type. But to the layperson, I don't suppose there's uh, that much of a big deal. I think because it ties in with its change of format, I think they're allowing themselves to kind of hype up the design, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I think one interesting thing is they've resolutely talked about the Guardian going tabloid, whereas when the Times went from broadsheet to tabloid format, they talked about it as going compact. Right. And you'd think the Guardian is, you know, the, the same kind of quality of readership or the, uh, they'd have <clears throat> they'd try to uh, avoid. Is is this a size? I haven't seen the new Guardian newspaper yet, but is this a, is this is it exactly the same size as the yeah, as the Times? The Mirror the Sun, the Times, right? Yeah, the Times isn't slightly bigger than the others, no. No, all right. No. It's just a phrase, yeah. Yeah. So the Guardian in two thousand and five went from broadsheet to Berliner, mm. um, which is the kind of in between size. Yeah. Um, notably, just just too big to read on a on a busy train. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so they've they've gone tabloid and they're shouting it from the rooftops, right? It's for, well, I've only seen the website, so uh, I'm probably not hugely qualified to criticise. Um, I like it. I think it's refreshing. Um, I like that they've added colour in there, and uh, it's very compact feeling, um, mm. which I'm not sure whether a website needs to be honest. But I'm guessing it's just following the the print layout. Trying to squeeze as much news in on the home page, on the front page as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think when uh, there was a big editorial by uh, Catherine Viner, she was talking about kind of why they've why they've done it, and one of the the reasons I talk about is to reflect more of what the digital editions, both online and uh, on mobile, of the Guardian uh, offer. I think that's more in terms of style and layout than content i mean i don't you know they didn't feel to me previously like they were particularly different beasts i probably read most of my news on the app um rather than online or buying paper it's today this week's the first um the first time i've bought the print edition of the guardian for a long time because what's the point in buying a paper when you've already read it before breakfast on your on your iphone and what what does it feel like? What's it like? It feels like a tabloid. Um, I bought it on uh, when did it come out? Monday, and I think they've tweaked from the images that I've seen online of subsequent editions. They've already tweaked the design a bit. So my first thoughts were that the masthead was really cramped. So they've got a new masthead with a stacked the Guardian in uh, Guardian Egyptian. I think, uh, but it's it's quite small. Is they've got rid of the bl- the big blue block of uh, colour behind it, but it quite uh, for the first edition and I think the second edition or the you know the second day of printing, it was squeezed next to a photograph, 
or a series of photographs and it it looked like an afterthought because it hasn't got the impact of the color and i thought the paper as a whole was looking a little less impactful also the first couple of days had little kind of advertising strap lines for features inside the newspaper which i didn't really think helped and i think they've got rid of that now so that the masthead is sitting uh higher up the the page right um towards the top um which i think has helped weirdly the app do you use the guardian app or do you just look at it online yeah so i'm a big fan of the guardian app it's really nice you can customize um the home page so you can have the sections that you want to read you know you place them where you want get rid of the sections you don't want to read really nice um but i've in my notes i've put a screen grab of the the kind of home page of that although it's just constantly scrolling really um and because they've got this four, it's predominantly black and white with bits of red in it. And because they've got these four rule motifs that run throughout the paper and online and on mobile, I think that first page just looks like a Pizza Express menu. Do you get that? It's very, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It's black and white and it's black and white with bits of red and it's stripy. Right. It looks really like Pizza Express menu, I think. <laughs> I, I find it hard to believe that they didn't get that far designing it and no one pointed it out. Well, what do the four lines mean? Don't know. But right. they, they're used in, certainly in that first print edition, they're used in a, not haphazard, but I'm sure it's been carefully thought out how and where they're used, but it just seems a bit, um, doesn't necessarily suit all uh, the circumstances. So you get, you can get the four lines Butting up to a rule, you can get them stopping, you know, uh, at the at the gutter. Sometimes they're a hairline away from a rule. Sometimes you get the four line motif underneath another line, so you've got five lines. It just seems a little clumsy in places. Well, uh, I don't understand what it, what it means. Doesn't necessarily suit every. Well, I think they're they're probably just looking for something. Because they haven't got that coloured masthead. They're just looking for something to delineate between the masthead and everything else. Right. I guess it's... And it is reve- it's, it's doing that. It's revealing the baseline a little bit, isn't it? Because if you yes. look at the... Uh, it's at the bottom of, of segments. It's the it's the cap height with with a drop in it, which is the, yeah. the short descenders on the font. The hamburger menu thing. We've spoken yeah. about it before. Wouldn't you... A nice little visual trick would have been have four in there wouldn't it i know I uh, just that, that little well. witty sort of thing but why they've got a hamburger uh, what i like about the design is that it's a practical response for business needs and you know to cut down on print costs and all that kind of stuff um so it's been really nicely done and it hasn't slavishly followed a flat design agenda as you might have thought it would have done it's it's very um it's very type heavy isn't it the, the it website is. and yep. um I'm not sure I like all the quotes marks and everything, but there's bound to be things I don't like. I, I must say that the typeface is really sharp, really nice to read. Yeah, is, is that an Egyptian headline? I think it's Guardian, it Guardian Egyptian. Egyptian. It's their own typeface. That it's commercial type. Commercial type have done a, a re-tweaking yeah. of it, I think. Well, but, probably a lot more than that. I'm probably well, doing them a disservice. You might know the answer to this. Why is there fav icon or the icon that you get when you save a link um why is that a stencil 
No idea, but that question was asked uh, repeatedly on Twitter. Was it? Yeah. Uh, here's my thing. Is it uh, a little nod to commercial types own glyph? Because if uh, you look maybe. at theirs, theirs, theirs goes to a stencil-like style. It does. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily benefit from it, does it? I don't know. What's the point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, is it the fact that that, that top... Um, the top curve of the G has become so thin that they needed to break mm. it up. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe. Um, but I do quite like the coloured sections. They use a really nice orange for the opinion section. Which, <laughs> of I think, which I think looks lovely. Yeah. I think that's nice. If, the, if, if they have an opinion piece inside another section, does that get highlighted as orange? Is that... Mm. don't know. Don't know. Or is it all... So yeah, so it is. So if you look at, um, if you go to the news page, they've got a Banksy statement, and that means that it's there's a that's done yes. in a kind of mushroom color. So yeah, so there's a there's a visual color scheme that is yes. carried throughout, so which is really culture. clever. They've used brown for culture. Is that brown? It's oh, kind of it, brownie, yeah. ochre color, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But yes, those uh, sort of foibles and gripes uh, aside. I think it's great. I think they've done a lot of good stuff. I think the changes they've made over the course of a week to the to the front page have really helped. Um, I think it certainly suffered that first the first couple of editions from looking a little too cluttered. Oh, one other gripe. I don't know why the big images sit so heavily on the type below them. Yeah. Um, particularly in the, the print editions. You know, they're absolutely crushing the type underneath and i don't understand it it looks like a cock-up yeah are they sitting consistent across it yeah Uh, are they sitting on there it's almost like they've aligned the images to the type baseline rather than having a separate image uh grid you think it's too tight yeah yeah it really annoys me (laughs) it feels it definitely feels too compact for a web page but Maybe that's the way we're going to condense everything up again. People are, you know, maybe they're just fed up of scrolling. In terms of the the long run, I mean, obviously the 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 Guardian has been hemorrhaging money since God knows when, Mm. Um, and this is an attempt to try and turn around the profitability. Is it going to change the way that the newspaper operates or the way that um, it writes? I mean, it has been. I've found it increasingly annoying as a publication. Uh, over the last few years, but maybe that's just me getting older. Um, do you think we're going to see a shift in in a more like scattergun news approach where they're just going know. for the highest clicks? Or I don't know. I mean, maybe online, yeah. everything is going to have to resort to that yeah. to to an extent. I mean, I noticed the the BBC did. I can't remember what what the article was today, but the BBD, BBC did some uh, something, and the headline was. Uh, 29 things you won't believe about something or other oh really what yeah Yeah. crazy anything else to say about the guardian uh no overall it's nice and i i I enjoy i enjoy this kind of looking at a really big design job it must have been lots of fun to work on i you know i'd love to i'd love to work on something like that yeah absolutely so uh applaud it to alex Breuer and uh chris clark who are the who are the main Main guys responsible for all that and the people at commercial type. Yeah, fantastic well job. Mm-hmm. Is it pie time? Well, I think we're going to have to go to pie time, aren't we? Yeah. Okay. You who who go first? Oh, I have got a Marks and Spencer's steak and caramelised red onion. 
pie. Ooh, sounds quite it's nice. It's a limited edition, apparently, <laughs> according to the box. Really? Uh, just... Yeah. Uh, short crust pastry, uh, which is uh, topped with uh, black onion seeds. I think it's a bad idea putting anything black on the top of the pie because you can't tell if it's burning or not. Um, but it does smell very oniony. It's not a particularly nice colour. It's got a red onion, uh, red wine uh, sauce, but because of the caramelised onions, it is it's a very dull brown. I'm just going in. That's actually it's very tasty. It's probably you have to be careful what you had it with because it's quite sweet. Um, but yeah, that's tasty. I don't know if I got any meat in there, but lovely pastry. I quite like the crunchy little seeds on top. Hmm. That's a nice pie. That can have a, that can have a seven point four. I thought you'd gone straight in there. I was. Go- I am. I'm going straight in, and then I'll describe what it is in a bit. Is it turkey? It's Christmas related. <laughs> oh goodness! Excuse me. So, I've got uh, another pie minister. <laughs> <laughs> the whole of January, my, my continuing my Christmas pie theme. Um, this one is a roast parsnip, cheddar, leek and chestnut pie. Now, I've realised that these are all of the ingredients that go in all the other meat based pies. So they obviously had a mass of them <laughs> left over and thought, what can we do for the veggies? Let's stick them all into one pie. All these really very sweet things. Good plan. So uh, not it's not good. A big lump of parsnip was the first thing I ate. I, you just don't expect that in a pie, do you? It's it's redolent of a Cornish pasty. A Cornish pasty with the Swedes in it, mm. uh, except that disappointingly, there's no bits of gristly meat. Yeah. So, um, but uh, it's yeah, just overwhelmingly sweet. Not unpleasant, but overwhelmingly sweet. So, I'm going to give that a five. Oh, dear. I know. Well, while we're talking pies, I'm quickly going to do my website of the week. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is uh, Valentine's Day coming up, John. Is it? I'm sure you're well aware. Oh, God. Um, perfectpie.co.uk, which is the website of Bray's Cottage Block Pies. Are, uh, well, they let you say, I love you, with a cottage pork pie. So Brilliant. you can order their Valentine's pies with either I love you or be my Valentine on the uh, pastry crust on top in pastry uh, and have them delivered to your door uh, on the 14th of February. Ah. Well, uh, and you can have them delivered secretly or with a message on a postcard. Well, I had one of these last year, didn't I? For my birthday. You did, yeah. Yeah. Um, and her. Did it have uh, happy birthday on it? Uh, something about daddy. Uh, oh, yes. And it, um, yeah, and she, her brother lives in my road. Weirdly, ah, although she's yes. from Norfolk, very strange. Mm. But yeah, great pies, really good pies. Yeah, they look they look good. So uh, there you go. You can send your loved one uh, 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 a pot pie, uh, eighteen pound fifty. Mm. There you go. Have you got a website of the week? Um, I did have one. I'm just going to another bite of pie while you think. Mm. Oh yeah. I was entering another run, uh, Winchester 10K. Right. And uh, it took me off to this website to fill out a form. And I thought, 
how delightful this form is. <laughs> uh, it was really nice and refreshing way to fill out a form. Um, just nicely animated and really well designed. Anyway, it's, it was built on a thing called Typeform, which I will be using in the future because I thought it was a, a great way to do maybe questionnaires for your clients or whatever. Um, it's just really nice looking forms. It's an online so how builder. Do they work? Is it purely they kind of host the form for you? Yeah, or? I think so. Okay. I wonder. I, I suspect you can, you know, use an API and, and embed them into your own mm. site. But yeah, it predominantly it just creates your own page that you can then hook into. Yeah, um, oh, they do look nice though. Yeah, uh, it does. I think it does paying as well. So um, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool site. Um, yeah, it is U, UI to overload. Uh, I enjoyed filling out the form, which I don't yeah. often do. If you need to quiz a hipster on anything, that's yep. the way to go. Exactly. Um, and talking of hipsters, uh, hobs, hobbits. <laughs> hipsters and hobbits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be a good pub name. The hipster and the hobbit. Yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah hairy, hairy feet and beards. The, yeah. Uh, yes. So have you, well, I mean, you're racing ahead in terms of, uh, consuming the uh, consuming Tolkien. Well, I've only read that chapter, but I read it um, uh, last week, so I've completely forgotten what I thought of it or anything like that. But um, I, no, I started reading the Silmarillion just to get some background. I see. It's quite hard going, isn't it? Well, I, I love the Silmarillion. Yeah, um, but it's a while since I've read it. Um, it just adds, you know, as if the the Lord of the Rings wasn't deep and dense enough in terms of world building the Silmarillion just takes it to another level doesn't it yeah and interestingly the chapter that we're going to be discussing now is chapter one a long expected party and makes no uh, real reference to this world outside of the shire no um it it's, it's very much about hobbits really isn't it about their <laughs> their kind of mannerisms and things so I've got my um, my copy of the Silmarillion here that I um, took out of the library on the 12th of June, 1982. <laughs> Tempted to take it back? No, I think I might be in trouble. And it's got the telephone number 80543. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days. The olden days. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, sorry about that, Berkshire County Library. I shouldn't say that, should I? I'm going to get a bill. Yeah, they're going to get you now. <sighs> what would that be, 40p a week for however many years? <laughs> 30 years <laughs> oh god yeah. right so what did you make of the chapter first chapter well like you say it doesn't really hint at the the wider world um or really f- sort of uh, foreshadow anything of what's gonna come after it's very much uh, occupied with telling the story of bilbo and frodo's birthday party in hobbiton and it gives you I think the first the, the prologue gives you a good idea of how Tolkien's going to be writing in in terms of kind of his language and the kind of density of his words and the like we talked about the slightly sort of academic feel of that and this chapter gives you a real good feel of of hobbits and their character and the way they talk and their sense of humor um, so it's kind of it, it's almost like a um, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? It's like a, a a cheat sheet, really, for hobbits. 
and and what they're like that stands you in good stead for the rest of the book yeah i think it it it's the stepping stone between the hobbit and the more serious side of lord of the rings and mm. it made me write down this i wonder when the um when there is is it noticeable in the next chapter or the chapters after of a stylistic shift because this is very much written in the style of the hobbit it's still a children's book um to me you know there's not there's nothing serious or threatening about it it's all very twee and gentle Mm. um is there you know a moment when uh you know tolkien puts down the uh or he rolls up his sleeves and says right okay this is it we're going in now you know um I, i wonder whether we'll we'll pick up on that yeah i mean the only the only hints of of what's to come really are very slight really aren't there there's gandalf's uh sort of trepidation when approaching the ring and his his concerns that it might be not all that it seems and there's bilbo's reluctance to give up the ring yeah um those are the only the bits that kind of hint at anything darker than the hobbit in the film, he really uh, Jackson overplays this ma- his hand massively at this point. I think I think he he, he, he overramps it. The ho- you know um, Bilbo bears his fangs, doesn't he, and yes. gets all a bit funny. But um, I think in the book, it's it's done a lot more, a lot more subtly. He's just mm. a bit grumpy and a bit old. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's um, it's funny that Ian Holm is the Hobbit in the film, isn't it? That he's Bilbo because he plays Frodo in the play. Uh, oh, does from, he? Yeah. I haven't started listening to it yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I, one thing that I think the films are great at, I think the casting was brilliant. Yep. Um, it's, it's difficult. In some ways, I wish I was reading the book now without having seen the films, because it's very hard to separate the two in terms of the characters and the actors. Um, but I do think the films uh, got the, the casting pretty great, and I think the actors did a, a great job in the films of portraying them, but you're right, and you know, in some some cases, Jackson just kind of ramps things up too far. Yeah, it's definitely an accelerated beginning to the film um, mm. that you don't get that sense of either distance or the um, or the fact that they're traveling. Um, they're sort of they're, they're virgins to the whole traveling scene. Um, yes, and that there's there's you know they're slightly sort of. Uh, wary of their surroundings in the in the book, whereas in the film it, it all happens very quickly. They arrive at Bree very, very rapidly. Quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's definitely a hundred percent Hobbit. Um, this mm. thing, the part is great, and it's got some good words in it. Uh, I wrote down the Goblin Barkers as a as a firework. Yes. What a brilliant name! And uh, I'd like to, I'd like to be a. Um, uh, I have a band called the Goblin Barkers and <laughs> and Backer Rappers. The Backer Rappers. The Backer Rappers. Oh. Another firework. Oh, cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, itching to um, get. On. I am just reading. I'm just going to read one chapter a week. Yeah, and uh, um. and the other thing is um, that's in this is is that you know that he's. You can tell that this must be a very early part of the of his writing because. There, there are dwarfs in it, and they're left out in the film. Um, and also, yeah. you don't really—I don't remember them there being dwarfs who come come at first. And and that is definitely a reminder back to to the the original book and the sort of children's side of things. Um, yeah, I mean they're only mentioned in passing, aren't they? But but they're definitely there. 
Yeah, they they help him clear up and everything, don't mm. they? Yeah, um, I'm I'm enjoying getting back into using Lord of the Rings. Um, so too. on that note, shall we say adieu? Uh, absolutely, arrivederci. Um, yeah, uh, lovely to chat, John. Yes, um, we'll have to talk in the week and decide what we're going to talk about next week. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you. And have you got any anything exciting planned? No, got men some fences that blew down in the storms. Oh, yeah, not metaphorically. No. Well, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Always mending fences. (laughs) Are you you working this weekend? Uh, Wedding tomorrow. Yeah. Only local. Oh, that's good. And then out for dinner tomorrow night for my mother-in-law's birthday. Oh, where are you going? Going to the RAC club in Epsom. Oh, posh. Yeah, should be nice. Excellent. Well, enjoy. And uh, I will speak to you next week. Will do. Have a good one, John. Cheerio. Ta-da. Bye. Superstars were no good for making cars in this life.